Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Clagan, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing this evening? Well, you know, that almost sounded like I was going to be part of a boxing ma- match, like in this in this corner, in this representing. Corner. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Do, I'm great. You do have a couple of world titles I think, that we need to bestow upon you. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm super happy to be here today. Well, I am as well because we've got a, a great show lined up and to kick things off, we've brought in Shauna Ricks. She is with the Traveling Pedicurist. She is a pedicurist and nail therapist. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So this is an interesting topic. And, you know, I have to say at Transitions Guiding Lights, we get a lot of phone calls from family caregivers really struggling with the fact that their loved one's feet need to be taken care of and it really makes their loved one feel better. So I'm really excited to hear about what inspired you to kind of go in this direction with your career. Well, I I always... um would like to think and it's always been said that when people go into business for themselves or whether it's a, a, a entrepreneurship or working for someone is from a personal experience I personally had my own foot issues I had a sports injury a couple years ago and um, I started taking care of my feet because they started causing me so many problems after that and then I went to nail school and my trade my background is actually as a medical assistant and I worked in the health field for a while and I kind of combined those experiences as a healthcare provider and as a pedicurist to um, provide services for my client based on my own personal experiences with my own foot issues. And that's kind of how everything came about. Well, that's great. And I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassingly hiding my feet underneath the table right now because I had a pedicure about four weeks ago, and uh-huh. I think I'm about ready for another one. So don't you look at my feet. Oh, I promise <laughs> I won't. They all start to look, awa- look alike after Do a while they? anyway. You know. So, um, and, and I remember, you know, when I was caregiving for my grandfather, actually, he had a lot of circulatory issues. Mm-hmm. And I had literally had to soak his feet every single night. And, you know... Sometimes it, it's, it, it, it can be sort of an issue where you don't, a lot of families just aren't comfortable touching a loved one's feet. So um, I think that's wonderful that you are. And um, let's talk a little bit about, about how that really gives some of these folks that you're caring for a little bit of a bounce in their day. Well, the feet are, is the foundation of your entire body. And the old adage is, when your feet hurt, your whole body hurts. Mm-hmm. And as we get up in age, a lot of what I hear from my clients, my demographic is 55 and over, um, they always say, my, my feet don't look the same. My feet don't feel the same. Well, that comes with age. We all get to the point where our bodies change, and that includes our feet. Um, and it's even more important to take care of your feet as you get older because your mobility kind of declines as you get older. And it's just it's just part of life. Um, and so I think with the services that I, that I provide um, for my clients, it just gives them more of a comfort level. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, a, a um um, people get it kind of confused between a podiatrist and a pedicurist. I am a pedicurist. There's a major difference, starting with the schooling, first of all. (laughs) Um, um, 
So I like to make that very understood to my to my clients, but I do have advanced training. You can clip toenails and that sort I of thing. I can clip toenails. Um, I can do the basic pedicuring services. Um, and I can, under the guidance of a physician, I can also treat certain issues that your average pedicurist probably would be a little intimidated by. Especially with the medical assistant Ex- background. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And plus with my medical assistant background, I'm just a little bit more familiar with certain issues mm-hmm. like circulatory issues like you mentioned. Right. Um, so, yeah, I kind of just engulf all of that together and I make it very pleasing for my customers and my clients and the people that I come in contact with. And they're... You know, the fact that I'm mobile, mm-hmm. a lot of them didn't even know that you can actually have someone come out to the home and provide the services. So when they call me up, they're like, oh, my God, you have such a fabulous service. I oh, didn't know yeah. that you could do that. I mean, when we get these yeah. phone calls from families, mm-hmm. I know you've received a number of referrals from transitions. Got I lights. haven't. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> but and the families are, you know, it's just it's such an ordeal to get their loved ones out of the home for things like going to the doctors or, you know, certain appointments like that. So mm-hmm. to be able to bring a service like this into the home, Mm -hmm. I think really will help family members care for the foundation of their loved one's body a lot easier. You know, if it's such a hardship, it takes hours to get a person up out of bed and Mm -hmm. dressed and showered in the whole nine yards. But if you could go to their home, Mm -hmm. I mean, that just makes it so much easier. Right. And not only do I go to the homes, I also go to the skill facilities. Um, I go to some of the local um, hospitals. I've been to Duke. I've been to UNC. I've been to Wake Med. So I am on their registries as well. Um, so it makes it very convenient for people, not just inside the home, but if they're in a rehab facility for a temporary basis and if they're used to getting their services done, I can actually come to them. And not only just the pedicures, even though that is my primary focus, I also do the nail care as well. Oh, okay. So I also include that for the customers who desire that service. That's awesome. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about your service area, please. Um, as far as where do you go? Oh, I travel in t- the entire state of North Carolina. Oh I always goodness. say that no distance is too far from me. Um, you know, this I'm, is a fifty thousand watt station. That's okay. That is okay. As long as it's in the state of North Carolina, I will come to you. Um, I've gone to Durham, Morrisville, Cary, Chapel Hill, um, Middlesex. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in the deep countryside, wherever you are, if you're wherever you are, I will come. And, and how is this paid for? Is this something that Medicare pays for? Or is this something pri- people have to pay for privately? Well, unfortunately, I am not in the, the health care system as far as collecting insurance. Everything is self-pay. Okay. Uh-huh. And a t- typical range for payment for folks? People are always curious how much something costs. Well, the average service, um, if you're in the local area, the base is $65. Okay. Um, well, that's you, reasonable. That's this, what it costs to go to a place. Exactly. That <laughs> so, is if you're in the local Raleigh yeah. area. Now, there is a travel fee mm-hmm. um, if you're outside of that area. So you do have to keep that in mind. I do charge a uh, per mile travel fee. Um, but for some people, that's not a, a concern. They just want to be able to get the service done for their loved one or for themselves. So, But there is a, a travel fee involved as well. Do you have a particular client story in mind that you'd love to share? Um, I, all of my clients have been just wonderful. They're very pleased at my services. There's not really one in particular um, that I can just call right off the bat. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Let me take that back. Um, my very first client that I had um, at, over at a particular facility um, was a nice young gentleman. And he was one of the first ones that I started seeing at a skilled facility, and still to this day, I remember him. And um, I always think about him whenever I go into these facilities. But, you know, in general, I I don't have any one particular. Mm-hmm. I, I just really enjoy all of my clients that I see because I know that they enjoy having me there. 
Sure, yeah. and it that really, really is a wonderful service yeah. that you provide. Exactly. So, if folks wanted to find out more information about how to get a hold of you, how would you? How would they reach you? Well, they can give me a phone call at nine one nine six two one seven zero two seven, or they can go to the website, which is www.thetravelingpedicurist. And let me spell pedicurist. P-E-D-I-C-U-R-I-S-T. Or they can also email me at thetravelingpedicurist at gmail.com. That's easy enough. Again, that phone number, 919-621-7027. 919-621-7027 or online at thetravelingpedicurist.com. A quick break and back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. You can find more information about Transitions Life Care at transitionslifecare.com. Org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we've got a new guest here in the studio. We are pivoting a little bit, and we're going to be speaking with Angela Wright Curran. She's the head of operations for Home Care Assistance. Angela, thank you so much for coming in this evening. Thank you guys for having me. So glad to have you here today. And, you know, among all the topics that we're going to be discussing today, one of the ones that I'm personally most interested in and we haven't really shed light on in quite some time is really that transition of an older adult from a acute care setting or a post-acute care setting to home. And what I mean by that is, you know, somebody who has been in the hospital for a period of time or perhaps in a rehab center, and then they're making the leap from having some supportive services in those types of long-term care communities or acute care settings and then trying to go back at home and living independently. Yeah, home care um, and home care assistance, we do provide services that help reduce readmission rates. Hospitals are very um, interested in reducing readmission rates on that end. Um, And a lot of times if they don't have family that live close by or even when they do, a lot of the adult children are working full time, they're raising children, that type of thing. Um, Where home care comes in, we can help assess the client um, help set up to make sure their medications are picked up and set up for them in their home. Any of the um, things they may need, like a shower chair, any of the home health equipment they may need, making sure coordinating with them to make sure that is there upon their arrival to make sure they're safe. If they have home health, physical therapy, occupational therapy, coordinating with them to make sure that that is set up. Um, a lot of clients that get discharge information are sent home, and a lot of those things fall through the cracks. And if you don't get the proper medication, you don't get the proper therapy and have the proper equipment, you know, you're a high risk for falls um, or readmission to the hospital for various reasons. So, um, you know, I think that is incredibly important. And I think that um, older adults, um, oftentimes, it, it, it seems like it comes to a, as a great surprise to that family caregiver, whether they're in a hospital or in a rehab center. It always, when they're calling Transitions Guiding Lights, they always seem quite surprised when they suddenly are told, okay, it's time for mom or dad to go home. 
Yes. And even though they were probably told or warned about that as the process was going forward, when you get the final word, okay, discharges in 24 hours, it seems like suddenly you're thrown into this world of, we have to arrange for all this, and they're not safe to go home unless they have what? Yep, somebody with them. Yes, yes. And and then, of course, there's the whole mystery of how it gets paid for. Yes, yes. We can coordinate um, with the family, with the client, with the hospital, the discharge planners, Anything from transportation home, again, making sure those medications are picked up and the supplies they need. Um, And we really tailor our services to our clients so it's not cookie cutter because one size does not fit all. So um, somebody coming home after a knee replacement, for example, um, may need services uh, more frequently in the beginning, but as they continue to improve and have their therapy at home, they'll become more independent and won't need our services as much. Um, so we might start out with somebody 24-7 for a week or two and then back that time down. Sometimes somebody coming in, they really don't know what to expect. Um, the adult children don't know how mom is going to handle things. Is she sleeping through the night? Can she get up and go to the bathroom independently? That type of thing. So our nurses help assess that situation, and we can, again, go in and tailor the services specifically to that client. And I think what people often forget, I mean, just think about yourself. If you've ever been in the hospital, whether it was giving birth to a child or having a procedure, there is a recovery period if you're young and healthy. Yes. For all of us, it's very disorienting to be in a hospital. You, you really feel like it was just a warp of time when you were there. And so for an older adult, they say it takes three to four days per every day they were in a hospital to actually recover, yes. to, to, to regain to potentially where they were before. So, you know, bringing in some supportive services into the home can really help stop that boomerang effect of something happening to then turn them right back around to being in the hospital. And, you know, a lot of family caregivers are just not comfortable giving that very personal care. So when somebody's coming out of the hospital and they're needing assistance with, you know, bathing or toileting, a lot of times a son or daughter is just not comfortable providing that care or the elder themselves is not really comfortable with that person being in that personal space of theirs as the child and so you know and so a lot of times people say oh no I'm fine I've got this and then there's a fall in the bathroom yep which is something that happens typically so let's talk a little bit about you know how older adults want to live their lives as they age and for everybody it's really quite an individual decision it is. It is. There's some, you know, there's a lot of um, senior apartments that are popping up now that are for your very active seniors yeah, that want that lifestyle. Yeah, that they want that lifestyle, <laughs> yeah. that the, the technology that's in the apartments, that type of thing, that really aren't providing services. It's more of a social mm-hmm. situation on that end. Um, and that's great if people can do that and they want to do that. A lot of people, they want, everybody wants to stay at home. They want to be with their stuff, mm-hmm. around their stuff. Right. Um, makes things easier. If you've got dementia, um, depending on how advanced it is, sometimes it's just um, that is a part of your routine, your Mm -hmm. home. You're more comfortable in that environment. Um, We're transitioning to community life, whether it is an independent senior living, whether it's an assisted living, that type of thing. Um, can be a harder transition for them. And you and I have a common thread. Both of us have worked in the past in in senior living communities, and we both yes. worked in home care, actually. Yep. So, um, you know, knowing that there isn't a perfect, you know, necessarily a perfect fit that will match every single person, because yep. some people really, quite frankly, do better in a long-term care community than they would have ever done in a home. Absolutely. Where other people, um, I can think of my grandfather, you know, he just was not a very social person. 
and he was placed temporarily in an assisted living community until I could upgrade my house to get him ready for him to be in my home. And, you know, he, th- that just would have never been a fit for him. Where my grandmother, you know, she was always in a sewing club and a bingo club and a yep. this and a that. She would have been totally fine and loved it. And yeah. She had passed before him, but for him, it was just not what he wanted. So, yep. you know, you really need to think about that individual. And I know a lot of times with, when folks have uh, Alzheimer's or dementia diagnosis, while the home routine is super important, sometimes they don't even remember that it's their home. And so yep. if you kind of get to that point and that home is really not comforting, you would be surprised in how that person sometimes really perks right up when they're placed in a long-term care community Absolutely. and almost seemingly has um, cognitive gains because they're more, they're having more socialization and they're around people that are like them. So they really don't have that sort of feeling like they have to be like everybody else anymore. They can just be. Yep. And I think some of that stress that gets relieved really helps that person. So really there is not we're not sitting here saying there's a cookie cutter one size fits all it really depends on on that person and which leads us into the conversation about planning and preparing you know knowing that older adult knowing the loved one in your life and and having those conversations yes well asking your mom or your dad or your grandparents you know have you thought about have you set you know have you made a will Mm -hmm. um have you determined do you want to live in will have you determined who you want to handle your finances who do you trust to make medical decisions for you those things really need to be talked about before you get in a crisis. And you and I both know the majority of the time, unfortunately, is after a crisis has happened. Right. You know, there's been a, a fall where you have head injury or you fracture a hip, um, that type of thing. And when you're older, to recover from those things and research, surgery is a little more difficult. Um, so it's easier if you have planned and prepared mm-hmm. and made those decisions in advance and let your family know. And sometimes, you know, you just don't have the, the kids that you would feel comfortable trust in your money with right. or, or trust in your health care with, depending on the situation. Or sometimes you don't want to put that on them. Right. So there's there services out there that are available. Um, but it, it makes the choices and decisions easier if you know, you know, hey, mom, she, she wanted to stay at home. Or, you know what, dad, he really, he always, he, he enjoyed um, playing in his band and the music and the socialization. And so a community setting may be a little better for him. And I'll sit here and say, you know, if you're listening to the show and you're an older adult, you know, even 50 and up yourself, have these conversations with your loved ones. This is the best gift you can give them because having your loved ones make a decision at the bedside during a crisis is incredibly painful and difficult. And then those folks live with the guilt of the decision. Maybe I should have, maybe this is or isn't what they would have wanted. And, and and a lot of times families are lost at the bedside because then there becomes these fights. No mom would have wanted that. No dad said he wanted this. I heard him say this one time. No, he once said about Aunt Aunt, Aunt Annie, you know, this is what she did, and he, she would never want that. Now you're suggesting he would, and yep, and just creates absolutely. a whole big ruckus. So definitely pre-planning in advance is so, so important. So talk to us a little bit about how folks can get a hold of home care assistance and um, – uh, your, your website and also exactly the services you provide. Yep. Our office is right here in Raleigh, off of Six Forks Road. Um, our phone number is 919-844-9898. You can also look us up on our website, uh, homecareassistance.com. That's Raleigh. Um, we are actually, we're not limited to any area in Raleigh. We're growing and expanding, awesome. and we hire caregivers all throughout. So our goal is to branch out all through North Carolina. 
on that end. So um, we provide everything from your simple one-time, somebody having oral surgery that needs transportation, somebody to stay with them, make sure they get home, get their medicines or situated from a one-time situation to living in with somebody 24-7 that may need that to the end of life with hospice. So, um, and a little bit of everything in between. We have some clients that they want somebody to go to the movies with or out to a meal with to, um, you know, actual hands-on care. Home Care Assistance is the business. You can find them online, homecareassistance.com slash Raleigh. A quick break and back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Claggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with the lovely Nicole Cleggett. You know, we talk a lot about caregiving and a lot of times people don't find us or think about caregiving until they're thrown into a crisis or a situation that they're not prepared for. And, you know, you're, you're scrambling so hard to do this and it's hard to be prepared for what you may be in for as a caregiver and the the levels of care that your loved one may need. Exactly. And especially if we're talking about um, an illness that is probably not going to be short-term, more of like a Mm long-term illness, such as a dementia diagnosis. And oftentimes, as caregivers, we really underestimate the length of time we're going to be caring for someone, the degree to which we're going to be caring for someone, and then how those needs change over time. So I'm super excited today to be talking to Gina Murray, who is the founder and director of Aware Senior Care, and they are a private duty in-home care company right here in the Triangle serving older adults in our community and their caregivers. So welcome, Gina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. So I know that you work a lot with uh, families who are caring for older adults with a cognitive impairment. Talk to us a little bit about what you find um, that they're discovering as they finally reach out to need some assistance. Well, as you alluded to, many times the families that come to us, they're in a crisis. Mm -hmm. Something has happened. They may have had the dementia diagnosis for a couple years, but everything was fine. (laughs) Going along fine. They had a little bit of support. But then, you know, they left the pot burning on the stove. Mom walked outside in her bed clothes. Um, And they're kind of like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? So they're in a crisis, and we... uh, we need to step in and see what we can do to help them. And we know, you know, typically most people want to age in place wherever they call home. And a lot of times families are really in support of making that happen. What do you think we should be doing as a society, Gina, to really prepare ourselves for the needs of the older adults in our lives? Because I really don't think we give a lot of thought to what folks are going to need in the future. We just basically kind of all go along in our happy little rosy ways and and not really think about, number one, that we're aging, and number two, that our parents are aging. Right. And and there's things you can put in place now um, at, at any age. If you're looking at your home, even if you're in your 50s or 60s, you don't consider yourself old, but you can look, do you have wide enough doorways if something happened and you needed a wheelchair? Um, Access, are you on one level? 
just different things that you can put in place. Uh, do you live where you can take public transportation if you can no longer drive? Can you walk to the supermarket? So there's things you have to think about now before before something happens. And I think we're just basically wired to really not want to see what's going on with our loved ones. Or, or perhaps we just aren't educated enough just because there's so much to understand about the aging process. And, and people oftentimes will notice things going on with their loved ones, like that they're isolating themselves as they're becoming forgetful or they're forgetting to pay a bill. People are just you know, thinking, well, that's just normal for a person who's aging. But the reality of it is, is a lot of these things are not. That's true. And the things, the changes happen are so subtle and you can kind of chalk it up to, oh, well, mom just forgot that. Or my husband, he usually gets lost when he's driving. The changes that happen are so subtle that you don't even realize um, that they're, that these are going on. It could be a friend who hasn't seen them for a while or a family member that comes from out of town, hasn't seen this person in six months. That, when did this happen? And you're talking, what, when did what happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and the folks with dementia do a really good job early on covering up. Yeah. They're working so hard to, to not let anybody know that they're struggling. And they're scared. I mean, I think where it really, really comes down to as a, hu- as, it's, as a human race is that we are wired to survive no matter what. So whatever right. we have to do to pull ourselves into the core of our being to make sure that we're going to keep on plugging along, we do. And then there's the whole issue of losing control. Right. And they don't want to admit when they get a diagnosis, if I say it out loud, then it's true. And if I never admit that I have dementia or I'm having forgetfulness, then it's not going to happen. It's the um, putting your head in the sand. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, I, and I'll be the first one to say, I'll do that with my little minor ailments as they go along. Oh, this tooth kind of hurts. Oh, I think I'll be fine. Oh, it feels better this week. I'm fine. There really probably isn't a cavity there. And then the next thing you know, you could have dealt with a little filling, and now you need a root canal. I mean, and that is right. just, unfortunately... That's the truth. A small example of how we handle things in our lives, most of us. Um, You know, then you have the other end of the people that go to the doctor when they have a pimple on their face. (laughs) But but most of us are not wired that way. We're not. We're not. We're like, it'll go away. And and unfortunately, dementia won't. Mm -hmm. Everybody's journey is unique, um, but it's going to progress one way, unfortunately. So what are some of the things that you hear from family members when they're first calling into Aware Senior Care, reaching out for help? Kind of what gets them to that breaking point? Um, Like I said, usually it's a crisis or they're just exhausted, mentally or physically exhausted. Um, It's not uncommon for people with dementia to have their days and nights flipped. So their spouse, their loved one is up all night. And so the person caring for them is sleep deprived. And then they're trying to maintain the house. They're still trying to work. So they've just gotten to the point of complete exhaustion. And then they finally reach out to you. And a lot of times, I'm sure, when they're reaching out to you, they still haven't even broached this topic to that family member. So what's some advice that you can give to families listening right now that might be saying, yeah, this is sounding an awful lot like what's going on in my life. How do you have that difficult conversation with a loved one? We'll talk to the family. We do um, meet in their house to see the environment. And what I'll tell a loved one is, you know, this can be help for you, not necessarily your husband who has dementia. You know, we provide support because you need help, some help with the household tasks. Um, So it's not his caregiver, it's assistance for the family. Um, We can also say, Will you allow this person to be here so that your wife is comfortable going out? And they're just going to 
make the meals and do the cleaning so she won't have to do those things when she gets back mm-hmm. and they're, um, they're more accepting that way I'll, I'll do this for the person that's taking care of me the person that I love I'll do it for them exactly instead of doing it for yourself and, and that's one of the big tips that we give folks at Transitions Guiding Lights is when we're talking to the families you know, sometimes that person, I don't care if they're 95 years old, they're just not ready to receive that care. They're never going to be the consumer of care. They, they've always got this. But if you can have an open conversation and discuss your feelings with that individual as that family member and just let them in a little bit, not to make them feel guilty, but help them understand how this is impacting you and how this would help you, That's right. then a lot of times that person is a lot more willing. And frankly, a lot of older adults are still very, very concerned about leaving money for their children. And so they're so worried about tapping into that little nest egg that they have to provide care for themselves Right. And, but, and they, and they want to leave for their loved ones, so they'd rather suffer. Right. They, they're like, oh, I don't want to spend this money. This I don't want to do this. Right. This is going to be for you. You know, we've had adult children say, but I, I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to lose my <laughs> livelihood because I keep skipping work, you know, to go to doctor's appointments because there's been a crisis, because there's been a fall. And so we'll say, I'll, when we meet with families, we'll say, tell us, you know, Tell us how, what your day is like and describe this. And they'll say, oh, that's okay, my daughter does that. Oh, that's okay, my son does that. But are they leaving work to do it? Do they have children? You know, are they missing things in their own children's lives? That, you know, let us do some of the tasks and let your children be family again. That's a great point. We've got Gina Murray here in the studio. She is founder and director of Aware Senior Care, and we're going to continue our conversation with her right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your co-host, Nicole Claykitt, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with the lovely Nicole Cleggett. Ah, that's our, right. Yeah, see, see, I'm a quick learner, Nicole. I, I know my place. And we've got a special guest here in the studio, and that is Gina Murray. She's founder and director of Aware Senior Care. And we're talking about some unexpected items and occurrences that folks may not think of when they're in a caregiving set caregiving situation dealing with someone with an Alzheimer's or a dementia diagnosis, Nicole. And I know that we're knee deep in this conversation and we've got uh, another segment here. So let's get right back to it. Yeah. So, you know, I think one thing that people perhaps underestimate is really the changing roles. When you're a family caregiver and you have a loved one who becomes um, incapacitated by an Alzheimer's diagnosis or a dementia diagnosis, and your roles suddenly have to change, um, that can really be overwhelming. It really can. I, um, I have a dear friend whose wife has Alzheimer's, and what surprised him the most was he was so focused on what, what she would need in her care, and he realized, he had never done the laundry. He had never made the shopping lists and made all the meals. They had traditional yep. husband and wife roles for, you know, the 40 years they've been married. <laughs> exactly. And he said, 
this is exhausting running a household. <laughs> I said, well, at least the kids are out. That's right. Their kids were grown. But he was like, wow, this is a lot. Yeah. So. It can be really overwhelming. I mean, just picturing my own life, you know, we have a farm in Johnston County, and I'm like, we have something were to happen to my husband. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been on the tractor a couple of times, <laughs> as far as that goes. You ready to take that over, huh? No, not so much. I haven't unlocked the chicken coop before. I don't even know where that key is. But but the reality of it is, it's on top of worrying about that loved one and providing that care, then you really have to figure out, you know, how am I going to maintain the household in the way that it was? And then, of course, you know, you know, me now in my 40s thinking about that, that's one thing. But if I were in my 70s, that would be a whole other ball of wax. Right, right. It's And it's really hard. You know, the older we get, it's harder to learn new things. And yeah. You may not want to do that. Exactly. So. <laughs> I may want to binge watch something on Netflix that day. That's right. <laughs> not that's that I get right. to do that that often, but it's it's a thought. You know, I think another thing that we often underestimate, and sometimes we bring up, but it's super important, is the real the grieving process. You know, it's similar to somebody with a traumatic brain injury. You know, they don't wear their injury on the outside. They're not walking around with a sling, right? right. Uh, so the, the, their injury is really inside of their brain, and, and their loss is really inside of their brain. So that person may look okay, and he may even talk okay, seemingly, you know, at first blush. But that family member is really grieving, and it's a very, very, very long goodbye. And one of the things that I often talk to families about is is really a part of that grieving process, where the very first stage is where that individual has the dementia and they realize that there's something wrong and different and difficult about it. That's really the most difficult part for them because they're spending a lot of time trying to cover it up. They're scared to death about the loss, the future losses that they're going to have. And then when we move into those middle stages and those later stages, that's the hardest time for the family when they are, you know, forgetting loved ones' names and really needing that physical care and all that support. And they're, they're a shell of who they once were. Right. It's um, it's really difficult. Um, my mother-in-law does have dementia. And it's hard when people say, she looks wonderful. And she does. Um, but you can't see that her brain is broken on the inside and, and she no longer recognizes her grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, she still recognizes my husband, which is nice, but it's, it's painful. It's painful to watch. And it's just, and everybody's journey is unique. It's, that's the, I think that's the hardest part. If you know one person with dementia, you know one person that's with right. dementia. That's right. We're all so different, right? <laughs> it's true. It's, We're all quirky in our own ways. Yeah. <laughs> but I, really, I always recommend getting support, joining a support group, even having someone to talk to. My friend doesn't want a support group, but he does have a friend who has a spouse. Mm-hmm. And they just they have that mutual time together that they can just say, I understand. And, you know, the other piece of all this is there is so much information out there on the web. And I often caution people, um, a lot of people after they go through a dementia journey with a loved one, to your point, it was one person with dementia. And these were the tricks and tips that worked with that person may not work for your loved one. So you need to be very, very careful when people are out there blogging and posting about, you know, what they do, that it's actually something that is typically accepted and reasonable to care for that individual with dementia. So we like to often say that we really need to stick to that some of those main websites, like the Dementia Alliance, like Alzheimer's Association, the Mayo Clinic, Johns Hopkins, some of those real reputable organizations. Right. We, that, that's really good advice because you can get oh, information overload mm-hmm. or, well, my neighbor said this. And like you said, well, stick to the people, the, the real resources that know. And to your friend, you know, who doesn't particularly care to go to a support group, 
support groups are very tricky. You know, I've been running them for my entire career, and um, similar to having children, you know, you, you get, you find out you're pregnant, you, you fall into two camps. You are either the type of person who wants to know everything to expect as soon as that sperm and egg gets fertilized, all the way to what does the afterbirth look like, and you want to know day one, where other people literally want to only know what's going to happen the next day or that day. And they don't want to know all that information down the road. So support groups can be very scary to people if they walk into one where it's a bunch of people that have loved ones with various different parts, phases of the disease process. And so you really need to know who you are. And then reaching out to organizations that have the support groups, it's okay to ask, you know, what types of family members are in the support group? What stages are their loved ones in? Because support groups can be very, very beneficial, but they can also scare people off if it's not the right fit for you. That's a good, that's a really good point. And talking about the right fit, when you're looking at um, families, caregivers, different adult children, spouses. Everybody has a different ability in caregiving. Um, I might be very comfortable giving my mother a shower, doing personal care, where my sister's like, no, I'll handle the bills, but I am not helping with any of the personal care. So not assuming that everybody can play every role right. in the caregiver. Well, they've got this huge family. Why aren't they helping? Right. People need to help in their own way. Exactly. And, you know, another thing that, you know, we often run into as family caregivers is that superhero mentality where you've got your cape on and you've got this and you're going to handle this and you're doing fine for a while there. But at some point, there is not an infinite amount of energy you have to put forth in caregiving and you're going to smack and hit a wall. So it's super important, even in the very beginning stages of your caregiving journey, to really build in that time for yourself. Whether or not you need it on, in the first weeks of your caregiving journey is really doesn't matter. If you don't build it in, it's just like building in an exercise routine it's never going to happen and consider that exercise for your mental health allow people to help you in the beginning when that diagnosis happens and people are rallying around you because after a while if you keep saying no it's not that people are being mean you've just said no a lot and people aren't just going to keep offering if you keep telling them no exactly exactly and it's hard to say yes Mm -hmm. because you do feel like i can do this Mm -hmm. but unfortunately we see um the caregiver, the one going down, and then you're really in crisis. Right. So we've had a family, the husband took care of the wife until he had a stroke. And then... And then the whole family's in a crisis. Exactly. So talk to us a little bit about aware senior care, kind of who you are, where you operate, and how folks can get in contact with you. Oh, thanks. So my husband, Tim, and I started aware senior care um, almost five years ago, and it came out of... um, experience of taking care of our dads and wanting just wanting to do it a better way um, comes from a love of caregiving and that caregivers have to have the right heart as well as the right skills um, so we serve the triangle they can give us a call um, we have a website where seniorcare.com uh, we have if you want more information we're happy to do it we have skills we have tools online to help you see where you are in your journey. Mm-hmm. So, and you, you don't have to put your information in. All, <laughs> all of that is easily accessible. We won't, we're not gonna call you. We're not gonna call you. <laughs> we'll contact you if you'd like us to, but um, but please, we have um, a number of people in our village. We love to support. We're one piece of the pie that helps the seniors. And um, 
if we can't help you, we would love to help you find somebody who can. One piece that is often confusing for people is kind of how these types of services get paid for. And so uh, typically private duty in-home care is a private pay scenario. Right. Un- unless the, um, the client has purchased long-term care insurance mm-hmm. and qualifies under their policy. Um, so if they do have long-term care insurance, we can file everything and, and take care of it that way. But typically it's private pay. And folks can receive this care literally around the clock if needed. We do. We take care of folks 24-7. Awesome. And that's great to know. Again, that website, awareseniorcare.com, awareseniorcare.com. The phone number, 919-436-1871, 919-436-1871. Gina Murray, founder and director of Aware Senior Care. Thank you so much for coming in this evening. Well, thank you for letting me be here. We're out of time for tonight. Thank you so much for listening to Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a wonderful night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.